Welcome to the Brisbane Property Podcast with your hosts, Melinda and Scott Jennison from Streamline Property Buyers, your local Brisbane property specialists. Hi everyone, welcome to um, another episode of the Brisbane Property Podcast with Melinda and I. Um, as usual, weather forecast, <laughs> um, beautiful sunny day here in Brisbane, we're out of, we're out of lockdown, um, about 21 degrees, so it's not a bad winter's day. I don't think you did a weather forecast last week uh, because it was raining, but look, welcome back everybody, uh, great day again in Brisbane and we're really excited about this episode, we're actually going to um, take a little bit of a trip down memory lane, a lot of people that buy um, homes in it, some of our blue chip suburbs here in Brisbane uh, have some interest in the history behind that home. And today we're actually going to cover how to um, find out more about a specific property, how to find out about the history of a home and what you can do to understand some of the the people even that may have lived in the property in the past. Yeah, so we do get a lot of inquiries, um, families wanting to buy closer in towards the CBD um, the you tend to get more of your your Queensland or traditional types of homes um, from a builder side of it, and, and obviously from our business side of it, we say you you can't change the location, but you can change the house. Um, so sometimes with these traditional type of homes, uh, you you keep the main features and the main characters, but you can actually then internally and out through the back of the property, you can modernise them and make them more contemporary. Um, bring them up to, to more sort of building codes now and a, a bit more of that style. Um, people love that for a family home, the nice, nice traditional types of homes, but then open up to some um, fancy sort of finishes on the inside and out through the back. And haven't they changed over the decades? Because obviously, you know, we can trace back to what the typical Queenslander style of home used to look like and how we have converted that for our modern lifestyles today. You know, you know, they were typically built up on stilts, for example, to allow that airflow to, you know, move underneath to keep the home cool. Now with modern technology and the addition of air conditioning and um, electrical fans, there was no further need to have that as a requirement. So instead of um, continuing to build them that way, they actually came in and lifted them to enable a two-storey construction. Uh, so a lot of those properties were built in under. But, you know, Scott, let's have a think about, you know, understanding when a property might have been built because to understand the history of a home, it's really important to understand the era in which it may have been built. And there's a few different eras here in Brisbane. Yeah, there is. Um, and it's, it is interesting when you talk about those, it's probably some of the words that we use, the um, I'll say older carpenters, I guess, um, builders, whatnot. But when you talk about that, the houses being lifted up for that ventilation to flow in underneath with the battens, sleep outs, um, they were something that people used to always have. That that have a sleep out was, which now a lot of the people, when you come and do them, you open them up and they, they become your deck or um, they could be an ensuite, things like that. So it's funny when you hear a lot of these um, terminologies and different names for different areas in these older type of traditional homes. So yeah, I think that, you know, when we look at the way Queenslanders were, were built, um, there were there's four periods really when you look at a Brisbane property and it does align with the development of the city. So in some of the more established original locations, um, we've got some late colonial period homes. They were built between the 1870s and the 1880s. Um, now they are described or identified by gable roof cottages um, or they've got a pyramid roofed house. So the style of the roof can often determine the era of the build. And they were also 
um, short ridged roofed houses uh, with encircling verandas. Yeah, so you can you can look these up. Actually, there's some good websites to have a look at, and and it is interesting when you look at the different styles as you go through different eras. Um, as you mentioned, you've got those little gable roof cottages. Um, they are quite a small type of um, building. The pyramid roof um, is basically just a very large with a point in the middle and there's hips coming up on each on each corner. So it's a big square type of setup. Um, and then the short ridge with the verandas, a little bit bigger of a house, probably uh, suited more to your larger blocks of lands. And we've talked about this in other episodes where we talk about different sizes of land, how we had the um, 16 perch, 32 perch, which is now your 405s and your 810s. Um, so the bigger type of houses then, which is more of like the short ridge roof with the brand around it, they're probably more of the homestead type of homes that were um, on the larger block of land as well. And that's what we probably call them when we see them uh, these days, large homesteads, because they are large square homes um, and they are beautiful when they have been refurbished and renovated to you know, comply with some of the, the modern way of living. The next period that we moved into was that federation period between the 1890s and 1910. Yeah, so that's when we sort of went into the bungalow roof type of house. Um, and then from there, we, we more, stayed with a bit of the bungalow style, I guess. Um, and then also the um, what they call the Queen Anne style of, of the house. Yeah, and I think that, you know, for anyone that's interested in whether the home may have that type of history, um, you can actually look at some council websites and looking at the council overlay, the current city plan will identify whether a house that sits on a land has been built prior to 1911. There is an overlay that identifies these homes and you can select that to get an understanding of whether you um, own a house or whether you're, the home that you're looking at is actually a home that uh, it has been built prior to 1911. And that's really fascinating because obviously there's certain, there are a number of restrictions associated with what you can and cannot do with those homes. They are have the highest level of protection outside of those that have a heritage overlay um, and they need to be kept in their traditional um, condition and you know, you can't even sort of demolish the back part of those homes. They are as they are and any additional extensions need to be um, around or behind those traditional cottages. It's interesting when you get to that next, that federation period, um, when you look at it from a building side of things, there's probably a little bit more craftsmanship in it. Um, the the other ones before that, you, um, your gabled roof and your pyramid type of roof, they were a very simple type of construction where the, the roof was very basic. Once you get into that next section of the Federation period, <clears throat> pardon me, there's a lot more, lot more style in it. You throw a couple of gables in, things like that, and there's a lot more work in that type of um, craftsmanship. So obviously in that in that era, that 1890s to 1910s, that craftsmanship side of things started to come into play with the, um, the style and the way they used to build those houses. Yeah, and I guess that moves us into the more traditional Queenslander homes, which were built from post-1911 through to the Second World War. Um, we called that a period of the interwar period. Now, that's probably more typical of the majority of the inner city homes that we find in a lot of our blue chip locations. Scott, tell us about some of the features of these properties. Yeah, so we, we moved into an era then where um, we had more of the... Um, the gable roofs as well, multi-gables. So we actually, instead of having one gable at the front, we actually added extra two, there's either two or three gables on the front of the houses. 
Um, your Californian sort of bungalow-style homes came in. Um, we moved then into a little bit of the Spanish um, mission style of house, old English style. Um, so there was a different sort of style and different sort of character. It did become a little bit more modern later on um, when we got towards those bungalow sort of Spanish styles where they incorporated not just the, the tin and timber, but we started to get a bit more concrete, um, cement, uh, rendered type of where they used to do the stacco type of rendering on the outside. And we brought in some tiled roofs as well in that era as well. Um, that's um, it's an interesting sort of era. The house we live in um, is is in that era. Um, and it's quite interesting to see that type of style of house, not just externally because you can pick up the pictures of the external of those types of homes, but internally the different things that you see, the different ceilings, how they started to, they used cover battens on the ceilings. It wasn't just your flat plasterboard that we have nowadays. Uh, VJ walls, picture rails, features inside of, of timber uh, entrances and timber um, sort of archways, I guess. Um, and you could also pick up some different eras if you know what you're looking for. Um, just little things like the front door. A front door would actually be able to tell you roughly what sort of year that house was actually built. It's great when you're looking at some of these original homes that haven't been renovated because, you know, just seeing the history in a front door, for example, might tell you within what, you know, four or five year period that property was built. So who would have thought that a front door could tell you when a property was built? That's fascinating. It's it's amazing when you learn a lot of this and you, and you talk to some older builders, older than me, obviously, um, but older builders that, that love this sort of work. I used to work with a couple of guys that were... Um, older carpenters basically and and the history and the things they'd talk about just the types of glass in the windows for example and the way that the windows were built um, the doors the the moldings throughout the house all of the things that they just knew about um, even the outside when you get towards your on your gables if people know obviously building terms um, <clears throat> but you have a barge board which runs up over the gable just the way that sometimes that they were cut and, and the different finishes that they have on them um, talked a lot about and showed you a lot about the history and the age of the property as well. Which is absolutely fascinating and obviously, you know, one thing that you can do to determine whether your home is a character home uh, is to have a look at those council websites and have a look at whether it is covered by a traditional building character overlay. Now, if it is, that means it was built in this pre-war era uh, prior to 1946. So if your property has a traditional building character overload, there, there are a certain um, number of protections in place. One, you cannot demolish those homes from the site. However, you do have the opportunity to ensure that the streetscape is maintained, but you can renovate from behind the pitch um, or the highest point of the main gable. So um, consult a town planner if you are looking to renovate a home like this. Some will require an application to council, some may not, um, in which case you would just get a building approval from a private certifier. It depends on the scope of works and what you intend to do because there's lots of rules around this. And if you circle back to the an earlier episode when we interviewed um, our town planner, Alex Steffen from yep. Steffen Town Planning, um, he went into detail in some of the, the things that would trigger a, an application to council when renovating a traditional building character home. Yeah, I think it's a really good point. Make sure that if you're looking at, a, at this type of home, if, yeah, and they, they're lovely homes when they're all renovated and they're, they're painted and done up um, very well, but they make a fantastic family home. Um, and usually close to the CBD, obviously, because of the, that type of house building those 
those areas, but just make sure you do do your homework and you know what you're talking about. You talk to the right builders, architects, whoever's involved um, so that you don't um, have to make big changes. Obviously, that front facade, you can actually modernise them up a bit, make them look really nice, but you just make sure you keep in character with the, with what the actual home is. And of course, then we move into the post-war period, which are properties built after World War II. What I find fascinating is having the ability to look at aerial photography that was taken here in Brisbane um, in 1946, you can see which locations in Brisbane were developed and where the available land was in surrounding suburbs. Well, where that available land was in 1946, they are the suburbs that were built in that post-war era. And obviously the style of home changed a lot. Yeah, it changed dramatically. We did. We tended to get a little bit more, like we touched on at the start, about how they built the older homes um, elevated up for that fresh air. They were quite smart, really, when you think about it. They didn't have the air conditioning and all those types of things, um, but they built them up to allow that airflow through underneath the property. It was still hot, obviously, in summertime, um, but it allowed that to cool the house down a little bit. You find in that later era, the post-war, you get a lot of low-set homes. So you get a lot of the homes, bricks, um, brick and tile types of homes that are down on the ground. Uh, Doesn't allow that ventilation underneath. um, And it's a very, very different type of construction. Um, so yeah, really different the way they built them. Um, I think it took a little bit of the craftsmanship away, to be honest. Um, <laughs> I think certainly, you know, that post-war era and, you know, their people came home from the war. There wasn't a lot of money around. We had an era and we can see it in our Brisbane suburbs where there were a lot of board shacks built, just asbestos shacks. Um, we've got some suburbs that are dominated by those properties. We've also got others that were built with weatherboard and tin and then it moved into the brick Um, and tiles so you know we can see the development of the city through the construction as it happened throughout the years and it's absolutely fascinating when you understand the development of Brisbane and understand what was built at a certain time because of the history. I think I think it brings out the the um the carpenter and the tradesman off me when we start looking at things like this because I talk about character and I talk about the way they were built and then you move into that post-war when they were a lot cheaper obviously the way they were built um and then you even Fast forward, I guess, into into the um, the current sort of days we're in now, and most buildings are all basically pre-made. They're all pre-fab, pre-fabricated frames, trusses, things like that. It's all out of pine. The older homes back in back in those days were obviously hardwood, a um, lot stronger, a lot tougher. They last the test of time. You look at the homes nowadays. Um, I don't think they're as as builders as good or as quality. Um, as they used to be. Um, Everything back in those days was cut by hand, nailed by hand. Everything was done by hand with a lot of love and sweat and blood, sweat and tears. Um, Whereas now it just needs to be put it up and knock it up really quick and try and make money and get out of there. And what's interesting is that those little post-war shacks that were built after World War II now, people are buying them not for the house, but for the land. They're knocking down those those homes and they're rebuilding brand new executive homes. And, and such is that process of gentrification. You can't do that in the inner city where you've got um, character homes. That's where we're seeing renovations and refurbishments. But in those areas where we start to see a mix of both pre-war homes and post-war homes, we are seeing those post-war homes being demolished and we are seeing them being replaced with brand new executive homes. It's interesting when I talk about that hand, um, how they build them by hand, we do we do some work at the moment where we do some project management um, for clients where we actually help them to knock down and build. Um, the guys that we work with, um, the builders we work with, I, I love going and catching up with them on site. 
Um, he is a bit more of a traditional builder. Um, he builds everything. He cuts everything by hand, the frame, nails it all together, builds it stick by stick, not prefabbed. Um, I do like that. I think it's a better quality. They can actually, from a building point of view, and I know I'm getting probably into the, the carpentry side of it, but they look at each stick of timber and see which way it bows so that you don't have one bowing one way and one the other. So your walls are nice and straight, little things like that. That's where you talk about quality. And that's the type of product I, I like working with people like that as well. I think that's where you can really differentiate um, the quality of a build. Most people work, walk into a property and they're looking at, you know, the finished product. They don't understand what's behind the walls, what the frame is, what's actually holding the building together. And ultimately, structurally, that's the most important information because it's very easy to make cosmetic changes. It's very expensive um, to make structural changes. So. Yeah very interesting yeah it's definitely the quality i think as well so be aware of that make sure you build quality um not just quick and cheap now scott not everyone has a scott um that's able to help them with um, identifying the era of a home we're very lucky here at streamline because you have that knowledge and obviously you can help clients to understand that but there are things that other um, individuals can do to get a better understanding of you know the history of a home and you know outside of understanding the building materials themselves um, the next thing that you can do is look at some mapping yeah so you can start off with obviously a bit of mapping um, through council portals there's obviously the city plan um, and you can also research and go and look up um, some of the plans the the past and historical plans as well. Yeah, so with the current city plan, Online Council does provide online planning tools that allow you to look at those overlays and maps that um, provide information on any properties that have a heritage overlay, any properties that are in a pre-1911 overlay and any properties that are in a traditional building character overlay. Some properties may also have local character significance. So, um, council portals will help you to understand that. If not, you can phone council to get that information. So that's the first place to go. The second place to go, as Scott pointed out, is you can look at historical maps and historical plans. And you would need to um, make a visit to the Queensland State Archives um, and you can obtain all sorts of information from them. Um, what's really interesting is that, you know, some of the more historical plans you know, throughout the 20th century, you can actually see streets and buildings um, on these plans, but you can even see things like the outbuildings that were on a particular lot, things like garages, chicken sheds, and even toilets. Yeah, because back in those days, we didn't have, they didn't have the toilets inside the house. Um, they'd have a, um, well, a drop box <laughs> out the backyard. Um, Thunderbox. A thunderbox, <laughs> hole in the ground, basically, and um, go in there and away you go. Um, but yeah, they'd have the outhouse, outhouse basically was out the back. Um, and then through the times, they actually then went into things like, um, septic tanks where you'd go into a septic tank and you'd get your septic tank pumped out before we went into sewer as well. Yeah. So, you know, even some of these early plans that are available and you can research this information, um, you know, the streets and the buildings were surveyed well before council had the ability to install um, sewage systems and drainage systems. So, you know, there were water tanks. People had to supply their own water. Um, and as Scott said, thunderboxes out the back. There were no, you know, council facilities to remove sewage. So people dealt with their own sewage on site. So, you know, even having the ability to track back when um, sewage became 
you know, something that was available and a public water supply became available is really interesting if you are a bit of a historian or if you have an interest in understanding your property. Um, this information can all be found from Queensland State Archives. Yeah, and as you said, they did, not only did they have the chook sheds and the tanks and things like that, but they also had the wells because obviously they had wells back then. Um, and even, I guess, for the more wealthy sort of people, um, the, the tennis courts yeah. as well. They showed that as well in those some of those mapping as well. There was probably a lot more tennis courts back in the day that compared to today, given that, um, you know, we've had such a high uh, degree of subdivision activity on some of those older, uh, more established sites. So there's, you know, fewer tennis courts in these inner city locations compared to what it used to be. So they also then would go, another way of looking up um, some of the history is, is, and we do get this done, you get this now when you buy a property, but you only get it um, it's quite short history, I guess, um, is a title search. Yeah, so you have you generally request a copy of the current title um, when you're purchasing a property so that you can understand any easements um, that may be listed on that, that title. But you can also do a search um, on historical certificate of titles. Uh, basically, that will enable you to see who may have owned the property in the past and, you know, watch um, or, or track the history of that property from when the, the title might have been first issued. So, um, I mean, you get a lot of, you do get a lot of information on that. You get the real property description, things like that. Um, they can, look, this this depends if you're interested in the history, I guess, when you get down to the back end side of things. Um, I do like that, the front side of it, looking at the um, different types of homes and styles. Um, but yeah, there's a, there's a bit of history, obviously, in the titles then to see who owned the property previously. And what's really interesting about this is that, you know, you may need to search through the old system documents because um, a new Torrens title scheme came into play from 1862 onwards. So it does depend on how much history your property holds as to whether you'd be looking at the new Torrens title scheme or the old system documents. So um, you can do some research on that as well um, by looking at the Queensland State Archives. So I guess another way, another thing to have a look at is who used to own the home. Um, and you can go into things and find out through the directories um, who used to own the home and back in the history as well. Yeah, basically directories would cover um, the years that, you know, other people may have owned a particular property. So that will provide the names and addresses of every known resident in a particular property. Um, and that the directory format um, existed up until uh, telephone books took over. So that's something else that you can investigate, which is really fascinating um, because who knows who may have lived in some of these properties. And, you know, for some people that, you know, could be quite a revelation to unfold, you know, some famous person may have actually lived in their property 100 years ago. You might want to know or you might not want to know. Well, that's true. <laughs> <laughs> um, so um, some records, obviously, then after that, some historical records. Yeah, so interestingly, you can um, also count the Brisbane City Council itself has some archives where you can have a look at council records. Um, they may not be complete for every property uh, because it depends on, you know, whether those um, records exist. But, for example, old building applications they can often reveal the history of construction of a property. Um, sometimes they can even note things like the architect's details or the builder's details. That's definitely going to exist for more recent 
build or more recent renovations. Uh, but there are application registers uh, for that are administered or that previously were administered by the Brisbane City Council um, dating back to as early as 1904. So you can do a search through council um, and request this information from council if you have, you know, a fascination with understanding, you know, when that building might have originally been constructed. Yeah, there could be some history, some really interesting history on things like that from some of the old homes um, back in back in the day when they, um, not sure of the quality of the drawings they would have had, um, but yeah, it would have been some good history obviously back then as well. Um, another good way, obviously, to, to tell a story um, is through photos and images. And this is probably one of the most exciting ways to understand the history of a particular property, especially if it is a home or if it is likely to be your home. So Brisbane City Archives has thousands of images on so many topics, including suburbs and houses. Some of these can be viewed from the council website. They're listed in, listed in the references section. They cover eras from um, the early 1900s but most of the photographs date from 1949 onwards because this is when council employed its own photographer so it's really interesting to look back at some of the historical photos that we do have available from council to see what streets used to look like um, to see construction projects in real time or, or captured in real time and to see what the inner city actually looked like in the past. Um, we can also get an understanding of what the public transport corridors look like, things like the tram lines, um, where the rubbish collection or how the rubbish collection happened. Um, and there's lots and lots of aerial photography that's included in these archives. And that will help you to understand, you know, when a property was likely to be constructed as well. We talk about that 1946 aerial photography, which is on the council portals right now, which defines whether a property is pre-war or post-war, but there's lots of other aerial photographs that were taken over time, which give you an understanding of how a particular suburb may have developed um, throughout the years. Yeah, there's a lot of information. A lot of it, I think, is found at the John Oxley Library as well. Yeah. Um, so you can look at, look at that information. I did see a film clip actually um, not long ago, which was a bit of a historical Brisbane film clip. Um, it was, it was really, really interesting to see what it looked like in the past um, compared to now what it is and what it's going to be in the future. It's just, it's going to be mind-boggling, really. And I think this trip down memory, memory lane really helps us to um, understand that Brisbane is a very young city. You know, we, in the last 120 years, have established ourselves as a city. Um, we're no longer a colony. We're no longer a country town. We are a city. However, when we're looking forward, we need to understand what Brisbane could look like in the future. And of course, there's so much going on in Brisbane right now. Um, and with a pending announcement of the Olympic Games coming to Brisbane, that would be um, enormous news for Brisbane. And it would really result in a huge, huge change for our city once again. So we're really excited to hear um, what that might might bring, and we'll definitely be keeping you updated in future episodes. Yeah, I think that'll change the aerial aerial view in the aerial photos um, from sure forty six to um, twenty thirty two. I think it'll be amazing change and, and an incredible difference. So, look, that was a little bit of a history lesson there. Um, there's probably so much more we could go on about, um, but if you're into the history and you want to know a bit, um, you can you can look that up. You can go to your libraries. Um, if it's something that 
interest people, obviously, looking at that type of large family home or that traditional type of home. Um, we're always here to help. Um, if people are looking for that type of thing, um, we can also help through that process of that renovation, knock down, build new, whatever it may be. Um, if it's something you're interested, reach out to us at Streamline Property Buyers. Um, I will let Melinda wrap it up as usual. Thanks very much for listening. Um, hope you have a really good day and we'll talk again next week. Thanks very much. Bye for now. Yeah, thanks for tuning in once again. Um, I hope that's been a little bit of a trip down memory lane, but also um, provided some tools and resources that you can uh, look at using to get a bit of an understanding of the history of your home. As always, if you've enjoyed listening to this episode, please don't forget to leave us a review and leave us a rating. Tell your friends and family about our podcast and um, enjoy the rest of your week. We will speak to you again soon. Bye for now. Thanks for tuning in today. Please remember everything we have spoken about on this podcast is general in nature and we always recommend that you obtain independent advice in relation to your specific circumstances. If you liked today's episode, don't forget to subscribe or leave us a review on iTunes and of course, tell your friends about us. If you would like to get in contact, please visit www.brisbanepropertypodcast.com.au or email us at info at brisbanepropertypodcast.com.au. Feel free to send in any questions and we will try to answer them in future episodes.